Welcome to this episode of the Texas Tech edition of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jackson Moody. Big 12 basketball play is officially here, and Texas Tech kicks it, tips it off tomorrow night at 7 p.m. in the Moody Center against the number 20 Texas Longhorns on ESPN2. We're going to preview that one. We're going to take a look at the entire Big 12 today, uh, talk about some teams, and especially this week, some teams I think can uh, prove their sleepers to actually make it to the NCAA tournament that maybe some people wouldn't have thought of before. Hint, you are going to play them twice this year. And, of course, Drew Steffi officially in the portal, and rumors continue to swirl. We'll talk about that as well. So, uh, let's get the Drew Steffi stuff out of the way. Um, to start this one off, I just want to say, losing a freshman, you don't like losing freshmen, but I don't think this kid was ever going to play for Texas Tech. I really don't think he was ever going to see the court for Texas Tech. I mean, this is a guy who was highly touted, and best of luck to him in the future. I don't think he did anything wrong on his end, but... McCassin, from what the rumors are, he probably didn't want him, told him to look elsewhere. Steffi wanted to give it a shot. It didn't work out. He was never going to play this season. He probably wasn't going to see the court much next season if he stayed. I mean, this was a transfer that we all know was going to come at some point one way or another. However, the details going on right now and the rumors swirling uh, could cause some alarm for other players on this team. However, I don't think if if what's rumored to be true is true, I, I don't think there's any suspensions coming down for any players on this team. I don't think any laws were broken. I don't think anything that bad or I don't think anything that warranted a suspension happened. Now, is whatever happened or being rumored to happen the smartest thing in the world? No, definitely not. But I don't think that any laws were broken. It doesn't seem like it. And again, stuff's going to come out on it, and we're gonna, just going to have to wait and listen. But there's been a lot of talk. Um, and really, there, yeah, there's smoke. There may be a bit of fire, but I don't think that it's anything that's going to cause any suspensions to this team moving forward. Now, turning our attention to the Texas game, because that's where the focus should be. Uh, you're a day away from playing Texas for the last time in Austin. Um, huge game. Huge game with tournament tournament implications. You're supposed to lose, according to T-Rank, by about four points. You're supposed to go 9-9 nine and nine in the Big 12, which will get you in. But if you go out there and get this win, you give yourself a good buffer for the year ahead. And from Texas Tech's perspective, a buffer could be very important for them right now. Because you're not, you're expected to go nine and nine. That should get you in. However, you are a high volume three point shooting team, which means you're going to lose some games you're not supposed to lose, and you're going to win some games that you're not supposed to win. If you go out there against who cares, Oklahoma State and Galgariba, or even West Virginia, and you shoot twenty percent from three like you did earlier in the earlier in the year. You're probably not going to win that game. Now, if you go out there and shoot 45% against Kansas at home, you're probably going to get the win in that game. So, getting a win in this one will give this team a huge buffer. And just looking at Texas, I've only watched a bit of Texas this year because every game is on the Longhorn Network where you cannot get it no matter what. So, I'm glad that's going to be gone from the conference. 
and you'll be able to watch every game from now on. But they haven't played a real game in a while. So they're kind of like you. When you lost to Butler, it was like, well, we have Vanderbilt, but they're not they're not much special. And that same day that you played Vanderbilt, they played LSU. They beat LSU by 11. Just want to run through some things here because, quite frankly, LSU is just not very good. So they played Kansas State, lost by 15 to Kansas State at home. Uh, Kansas State also not very good. They lost in the Carrier Dome by 23, and they have losses to Dayton and Nichols State. So LSU, they're kind of like the Vanderbilt game you got. They're not very good. They played Marquette about the same time that you played Butler. They got run out of that building. I know it was only a 21-point game at the end. It felt like this could have been a 30-40 point game watching that. Their only other two real games, UConn, which was pretty impressive. They didn't have Shedrick. They didn't have Disu. I thought they were just going to get ran out of the gym. They only lost by 10. Um, Louisville, that was one, and this is going to bring me to something that I'm going to say on why where I think Tech has an advantage in this game. Louisville, they got in a dogfight, and as we know, Louisville is just terrible. They, they are a bad basketball team. Texas was in a dogfight with them, needed a step-back three at the buzzer, from Max Amos to win this game. Now, where do I think we have the advantage? Coaching. I think we have a coaching advantage in this game over Rodney Terry. And why do I say that? And some certified proof. Well, Rodney Terry, he hasn't had much success at mid-majors. Grant McCasson has had a lot of success at mid-majors, especially North Texas. But that game against Louisville... Both of Louisville's bigs fouled out in that game. Shedrick was going off. In that game alone, uh, he had 27 points. He was their most dominant player. And the last two possessions, when Texas desperately needed a bucket, really, for the last entire two minutes, they didn't go back to Shedrick. With both of Louisville's bigs out, Louisville had to play small. They didn't even try to push it in the paint. That is something that I can't understand. So I think that in this game, you definitely have an advantage in the coaching category. Now, in the front court is going to be a really interesting battle. Obviously, your starters are likely going to be Joe Toussaint, Pop Isaacs, Kerwin Walton. And then you're going to have Chance McMillan come in and play a lot of minutes. You'll probably have Lamar Washington get some minutes. Texas has Max Amos and Tyrese Hunter. Attil Hortons, their guy off their bench, and then they played Chendell Weaver about 14 minutes a game. Max Amos and Tyrese Hunter, they, they've been working through some things so that they're trying to spread the ball around more between the both of them. I think Texas Tech also has the advantage in that category. That Tech's, it, they're go-to guys to Saunt, but you're not blinking if Pop Isaacs is taking the ball up the court either. I mean... I think that you know who your go-to guy is on taking it down the court. Something that Texas is still currently trying to figure out. Now, the issue for Texas is going to have to do with the backcourt, though. Or for Texas Tech. They have Dylan Mitchell. They have Shedrick. And they have Disu. And Disu's been getting some minutes lately. Um, The issue for Texas Tech is how do you combat that? And I think this game may be coming at the right time. So, Darian Williams... 
can probably match up decently with Mitchell, at least good enough that that it's a net positive when you take the offense and the defense and everything you're doing in the front court. But Warren Washington, he's been more of a basket-to-basket type player, which has been great. Uh, he's coming to his own in the pick and roll. Uh, he stayed out. He's staying out of foul trouble. I heard earlier that he hasn't had more than two fouls in a game since the Michigan game. And remember, against Sam Houston State, he got a technical too. So uh, to stay under two fouls, and he's going to have to avoid foul trouble. He really is for this team to be successful, especially in this game. Now, it's a guard-heavy Big 12. There's a lot of teams that lack bigs. Texas is not one of them. So Robert Jennings, he's shown flashes in the last couple games. He's done some decent things. How many minutes is he going to get? He's going to need to give you at least 10 minutes in this game, I believe. And can he be a net positive for you? Because if they go with Disu and Shedrick at the same time, you really have to make a decision. Are you going to commit to, we're just going to try to outscore them on the perimeter, hope our threes fall, or are we going to play some defense in there, hope that we still have enough out of the guards, go to the pick and roll, uh, maybe Pop Isaacs is t- making shots, Kerbin Walton, Chance McMillan, maybe Joe Toussaint can drive to the basket, draw some contact from their bigs, or or are you going to go, you know, it's going to be one of those two. Are you going to go small ball? Or are you going to go match up their bigs? Are you going to go with Jennings and Washington on the court at the same time? Which, I I may be wrong here, but I don't remember seeing Robert Jennings and Warren Washington on the court much this season at the same time. And I'm probably right. We've been playing with one center. Robert Jennings has been a de facto center. I think they like EY, but I don't think he's going to get any minutes in this game. I, I don't think that it would make much sense to when Robert Jennings is actually playing pretty decently. I think that he's a better player for this spot. Overall, it's going to be a it's it's a really interesting matchup when you have Amos, when you have Hunter in the front court for them, and then you also have Pop Isaacs, Joe Toussaint, Kerwin Walton, Chance McMillan coming off the bench. Obviously, you have Darian Williams at the wing, and then down low, that's where you're really going to struggle here because they got Disu, they got Shedrick, they got Dylan Mitchell. It, is it going to be enough for Texas Tech to find a way in this one just shooting the three? I think that, I mean, with a team that shoots high-volume threes, I don't think there's much of a point in predictions. I think that if you can shoot at least 37% from threes in this game, if you shoot 37% from threes in this game, you walk out with a win. If you shoot at least 33%, I think you're giving yourself a really good chance to win this game as well. And as I said before, I think you have the advantage in coaching. I, I really do think you have a better coach than them. And quite frankly, I think that's all about all you need. And uh, maybe you can get Brock Cunningham to take a stupid technical foul, get you a couple extra points there. Um, if you're hitting the threes at a decent clip, I think that Texas Tech finds a way to win this game. Now, if it's one of those first three games where you're shooting, what, 18 19% from three, you're obviously not going to win this game. But if you keep shooting at the clip you've been shooting at, Kerwin Walton plays how, anywhere near where he's been playing, Joe Toussaint continues to be the guy who, in big moments, can just take the ball and drive, I really do like Texas Tech's chances in this game. And if you win this one, you're, you're going to be projected to be in the tournament by just about everybody come Monday morning. So, for the Big 12 as a whole, 
I'm going to go line by line here, and I, I just want to give some context on who you have scheduled. So you play everybody once, and then you play Oklahoma State twice, Texas twice, TCU twice, Baylor twice. You do not play Houston the second time. You get that road game at Houston, which I personally like. That's the matchup that T-Rank has you as the worst in. It's nice that that can just be a road loss, nothing else. You're not worried about them at home. And then you get UCF twice, which is an interesting one. So I'm going to go line by line just off of groups of how many overall losses they have. The only undefeated team in the Big 12 right now is Houston. They struggled against a not great Xavier team. Xavier pushed Villanova on the road to the brink just a couple of nights ago. Uh, they lost that game, or they won that game by six. Then they went to AM and won by four. So an impressive win there. Uh, they beat Penn badly. That was their last game until Big 12 play. They beat Penn by 39 points. And that, by the way, is a Penn team that beat Villanova. That Houston's obviously a conference-style contender. BYU has been really impressive so far this season. They have that one loss at Utah, which has got to be a painful one for them. But Utah's a pretty decent team. They beat San Diego State earlier in the year. This is a game that you play them at home later in the season. I think there's a good chance that you can get a win there. It's when the students are back. The other two one-loss teams are Kansas and Oklahoma. Kansas has been looking good. Uh, they're probably gonna, gonna, it's probably going to come down to Kansas and Houston for the Big 12 title, most likely. Oklahoma, they're ranked number 11 right now. They kind of look a little bit fraudy to me. They beat a Arkansas team by nine. That wasn't that good. Uh, they beat USC, who's regressed, who may have been a bit overrated. And they lost to North Carolina by 12. And it wasn't, just watching that game, it wasn't overly close throughout. Um, when you take a look at Baylor, they're another tournament team. I think all three of those, or four of those teams I mentioned make the tournament. Baylor had that bad loss to Michigan State. They have a loss to Duke. I still see them as a team that's figuring it out. They'll be probably a five or six seed come tournament time and a dangerous team to play, but I don't see them competing. to Xavier they lost to Dayton they don't have any quality wins other than that I, I'd have to say of all the two lost teams in this category I think that Cincinnati is the most likely to miss the NCAA tournament then you look at Iowa State they've done some good things they have an experienced Lipsy at point guard but they are still a bit young in other places obviously they brought in I think five six freshmen this season so they're a bit young. I expect them to get off to a slow start, but be right in. But I still see them making the tournament. TCU, they have losses to Clemson and Nevada. They're only, like, I guess their only P6 win is over Georgetown. That was by one off of, uh, what was it, a half-court shot? Um, I think TCU and Cincinnati, could. those two could be two teams that are just in a dogfight deciding who's going to make it to the tournament or not. Um, just some other two-loss teams, Texas, Texas Tech, we went through them. Kansas State, I see Kansas State as a team 
that is going to miss the tournament. I don't see all the drama that happened for the same reason that happened with Tech last year, but I see them kind of as a similar team. There's been a lot of turnover there. Last year, when you looked at their team, they had a lot of fifth and sixth-year players on that squad. They lost to Nebraska, lost to Miami, lost to USC. I mean, it, they played Chicago State close on Tuesday. They they played. They got a win over Villanova, but they played Northern Alabama close. They went to overtime with Oral Roberts. I think that this is this Kansas State team's gonna be very iffy. Now UCF, who is a team that nobody really knows much about, or we don't, but. We play them twice, so I want to go into them. When you look at this team, uh, they lost early to Miami. They had a bad loss to Stenson, and then they lost by two to undefeated Ole Miss squad. They got a five-star back. Um, his name is C.J. Walker, a former five-star. He's played limited minutes their last couple games. He's averaging about five and a half points a game been between 12 and 18 minutes in each of those two games. I really think UCF, when we're talking about the Big 12 as a whole, could be the surprise. They have this guy, um, Jalen Sellers. He's a guard for them. He's averaging 18.6 points per game. They they are a team that does have some bigs. They have Diallo, Payne, Silva. They now have C.J. Walker. I think that UCF is a team that could actually find themselves in the tournament. And I'll, t- I'll tell you what, this is going to be a huge next five days for UCF. So they play Kansas State in Manhattan tomorrow. I I know what you're thinking. Manhattan's a tough place to get play. Guys, the students aren't on campus. They're playing who was picked to be the worst team in the Big 12. And I'll tell you what, I've, I drove from Kansas City to Denver twice uh, the last time I did it, I tried to get off the cutoff to go to Manhattan, so I still had about 15 minutes to go. It is a long drive to get out to to where you turn off into Manhattan, and then you have a long drive of nothing before you get there. I don't think it's going to be a crazy crowd atmosphere for this game against UCF. I think UCF can win this game, and then you have the big ticket item of your UCF in Kansas coming to your place in a big metropolitan area where you can really pack that place and get a statement win. UCF, in a week's time, could really be talked about as a team who is currently in the NCAA tournament. Then Oklahoma State, West Virginia, those teams are both bad. Uh, We're not going to spend too much time on those. But um, just going into this week, we're going to predict the games as a whole. TCU at Kansas, they are at 1 p.m. on CBS. That is a game that I'm going to be honest with you, not overly excited about. Don't think it will be very good. Houston hosts West Virginia. I think Kansas wins. Uh, Houston's going to blow West Virginia out. That's at 1 p.m. on ESPN+. Baylor at Oklahoma State. That could be a little bit tricky. Baylor's still trying to figure some things out. It's at 2 p.m. on ESPN+. It's at Galgariba, which is not an easy place to play. Baylor hasn't looked overly impressive. I still think that Baylor gets this one done. Iowa State at OU, this is going to be an interesting one. OU's thought of in the top tier of the Big 12. Iowa State probably in that second tier. It's in OU, but that's not a huge crowd. I still think OU's a better team and gets it, but this is a game that I could really see coming down to the wire. Of these first four games of the day, um, I think this one's the most interesting. 
And then at the same time, 5 p.m. on ESPN2, UCF at Kansas State. Boy, this is a game I'm excited for. This is a game that I'm really excited for. I don't care what it comes out at. I know that UCF's going to be plus money. I'm hammering that. They got bigs. They have a guard that that is a star. <laughs> star and really go, they'll go where he goes. I think UCF pulls the upset on Kansas State and I think that you're going to see a lot of melting down in Manhattan come Saturday night. Obviously, Texas Tech at Texas at 7 p.m. on ESPN2. That's the big ticket one that we've all been excited for. And then the nightcap. If you want some night basketball at 9 p.m. Cincinnati at BYU on ESPN2, I still think I think Cincinnati got a couple guys back. Um, BYU, I think as a whole, as a team, is just better. I think they're going to turn out for that game. They're not far from Salt Lake City. I think BYU gets that win today. Uh, but that's going to do it for this one. Uh, those are our predictions for the week ahead. We'll do a Sunday episode, uh, actually. Kind of have to with my work. But we'll go ahead and recap the Texas game. Preview the game at home against Oklahoma State, which either way is a game you got to feel like whether you win or lose against Texas, you got to go get that win against Oklahoma State. So we'll be back. Uh, We'll release it on Monday and uh, go beat Texas.